0: Amen.
1: Good morning, New Hope. Hey, thanks for joining us this morning. If we haven't met, I'm Ryan, the lead pastor here. And uh, this is, if you haven't heard yet, Drive In Church Weekend. So we are coming live to you from the parking lot of New Hope church, so it's a different setting. We did this last night, a a service last night, and it it rained. I mean, it it rained pretty hard at the beginning of the service. And so those of you who are out, you were troopers, thanks for coming and hanging with us. There was a joke among the worship team. It was our first worship service where you've also got a free car wash as you came out. So we are going live here this morning. And if you have not, if you're in the Adel area and you you haven't heard about Drive-In Church or you're just kind of sitting around thinking, well, hey, what is that? I think I'd like to come. It's not too late. We're doing another service with tons of fun surprises for the whole family at 1030. So I just encourage you, load up the car, come on out. It's going to be a great time here at the New Hope Church parking lot at 1030 for our last drive-in church service. Hey, I want to hit a few announcements before we jump into the message this morning. The first one is that on Monday, tomorrow, we're offering a online uh, forum, if you will, called Explore. And Explore is a chance for you as the viewer to write in questions. And Live Time, myself and Tim Canney, we're going to be uh, have our Bibles open and ready and we'll respond to any questions that you have. And uh, we did this a couple weeks ago and it was just a dynamic time. And so we've got a few questions that we're going to bring to the table, but we're ready for your questions as well. So plan to join us tomorrow night at 7 p.m. I also want to mention this announcement for the kids. Kids, we are doing some greeting cards, uh, and cards of encouragement, really, for the residents of Adel Acres here in Adel. They they just need some encouragement, and so we have been, been asking you guys to uh, fill out cards, create cards. A lot of you, we've got a ton back. Thank you for doing that. It's just going to bless the residents there. But if you still like to get involved in that, you can drop off your card at the next service of Drive-In Church. But also, you can connect with our kids ministry director, Katie Fife, at Katie at newhopeadel.org. She'll get you all the information to help you know what to do with the card, but also where to send the card so we can get those to the residents uh, this week. Now, we're not taking an offering this morning. It's a different kind of a service, but if you have a gift for God, you can go online using the Alexio app or the church website are great places to give digitally. And speaking of the website, today, in just a moment actually, we're going to be launching a brand new sermon series. And so, if uh, you go to the website, we have a new devotional guide uh, prepared for you for this six week series and so if you haven't yet received your guide again we'll have them for you printed out here at at drive-in church but at home you can go to the website download your own copy just go to newhopeadel.org click i believe it's media and uh, on there is devotions or devotionals and you can go to that page and download your own guide So as I mentioned, right now, starting a brand new sermon series called He is Greater Than Me. And what we're doing is taking six weeks and we're looking at the Beatitudes. We're looking at some key scriptures that talk about how to to live a God-focused life in a me-centered, a me-saturated world. And this is a really important series that we're going to be covering here. Now, Jesus, early in his ministry he grabbed his followers and he took them on a retreat of sorts. He he went up on a mountainside and there over the course of a few days he taught his disciples and he, he taught his disciples really lessons of how to live as a follower of him and this these collection of messages are given for us in scripture in Matthew chapter 5 6 and 7 they're called the Sermon on the Mount and I would really encourage you on your own maybe this week the devotional guide has some resources for you on this topic but to go through and read those three chapters as you'll get some snippets of what Jesus was communicating uh, on this retreat with his followers Now, the Sermon on the Mount begins with what is called the Beatitudes. Now, may may say, well, what's a Beatitude? Well, I'm glad you asked. Thanks for asking that. A Beatitude is a a collection of verses. And if you have your Bibles open, Matthew chapter 5 is where we're going to be today. And in Matthew chapter 5, you'll see, starting in verse 3, which is our primary text this morning, all the way to verse 12, you see these collection of verses. They start off with, blessed are, and then they give a description. Well, those are the Beatitudes, and the Beatitudes are, are really um, proverb-like descriptions of attitudes that Jesus wants you and I to adopt and to live out in our daily lives. Because see, what we're going to learn together is that the values of God's kingdom and the values of what Jesus is calling you as a follower of him to embrace, to prioritize, and to live out are really so different than the values and priorities that we see in the world today. In fact, I'd even call them upside-down values. I mean, completely different. And we'll read through some of these, and some of them are going to be just interesting and almost shocking because they're going to seem counterintuitive. They're going to seem, as we already said, countercultural. They're going to be, they're going to be approaches to living life that are just so different. But here's the key. As you and I embrace these beatitudes and pull them into our lives in terms of daily habits, what's going to happen is that you're going to begin to live a radical kind of lifestyle. And as you do that in your life, He, meaning the Lord, is going to become increasingly greater than us. That The priority of our life is not going to be to take care of us and to focus on us or me, but rather to get my life focused on, centered on, and rooted in who Jesus is. And so that's our goal here. So again, Matthew chapter 5 is where we're at. So grab your Bibles if you haven't already or turn them on uh, to whatever app Bible app you may be using and you can follow along. Matthew chapter 5 is where we are going to start this morning. Now, before we read our first beatitude, which is going to be in verse 3, I want to ask a question. And this is a little bit of audience participation because at home, I want you to finish this sentence. And here's the sentence. Jesus became real... In my life, when? How would you finish that sentence? Jesus became real in my life when? Now, maybe you don't quite know. Maybe you're not sure how to answer that. So, so some examples like maybe, maybe for you, Jesus became real in your life when you experienced a challenge or a loss, uh, a hardship, so, something where you realize, maybe like the coronavirus and what we're going through right now, that you weren't really all that in control. Maybe for you is when you realized you weren't strong enough. Or maybe it was when you heard the words, you have cancer, and that just struck you to the cord. Uh, Maybe for you it was when you had nowhere else to turn and no one else to turn to. Uh, Maybe it was for you when you lost control of an addiction. Or maybe it was just a loss of something so precious and valuable in your life, a, a child, a spouse, a loved one. I mean, these are the kind of moments that could really trigger us to think through, is Jesus real in my life? So how would you finish this sentence? Jesus became real when? Let me share with you a story from my life. And it was from when I was 19 years old. So on the scale of, of things, it may not be as, as potent and grand as some other situations, but, but it came with a loss. See, I became a Christian my senior year of high school. The next year I went off to college and, and there uh, I went to play college baseball. And that year, that freshman year of college, was, was really fantastic in every way. I, I began to, to grow for the first time in my faith, learning more of what it meant to be a follower of Christ. And that was exhilarating and exciting. I was also on the, the baseball team, and, and that was going well, and we were ranked nationally. And, and it, was, it was everything that you kind of hoped life would be. But right in the middle of all that, the Lord began, maybe for the first time, began to just impress on my heart something. And that something was to walk away from baseball. But see, that was my identity. That was everything. To, to give that up was something that was, was shocking, and, and I would never even consider that. But it, it never left. As, as the, the weeks went on and the season progressed, it just got stronger and stronger. And I, I remember praying for injury. God, you know, blow out my arm, so that just means I don't have to, to deal with this nagging call that God was putting on my life. Ultimately, fast forward, the season was over and I went to the coach's office and I, I hung up my glove and I walked away. And that was painful and it was a loss, but here's what it did. It began to open up the door for Jesus to become real in my life and to do some things in my life he never could have done if baseball was still on the center of my life, if baseball was still the main thing in my life. And so God will do this. He will unprice some of those things, but He wants it to do it because He loves us to help us understand what it means to help Him to be real in each of our daily lives. So let's let's now Matthew chapter five. Look at our primary text this morning, verse three. Here's how what it says. It says, "Blessed." Now let me pause here real quick because we're going to see this word "blessed" over and over. It's how every verse in the Beatitudes start is "blessed." Now, what does that mean? What it means is happy. but but not like circumstantial happy. What I mean by that, what what the scriptures mean by that is it means like a deep fulfillment happy. Something that's far greater than just an emotional moment or a circumstantial situation. It means to be deeply fulfilled and happy because you're in that state. So here it is, blessed are the poor, that word means bankrupt, the poor in spirit for theirs Is the kingdom of heaven. And now, again, as as we read this, they may feel like a little bit of a head scratcher because here's essentially what Jesus is saying. He's saying, Happy are those who are spiritually broken and empty. Happy are those that are spiritually broken and empty, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Again, this is a wild idea. But here's what Jesus is saying. Now, if you went on earlier and you downloaded the bulletin, you'll know this is the first and only fill in the blanks. So let me give this to you. Otherwise, for the rest of us, just listen. Here's the big idea for this morning and why the key for this, pro, uh, this uh, beatitude. It's this, that the Lord will become real in your life when you come to the end of yourself. See, Jesus becomes real in our life when we come to the end of us. When we reach that place, now to help explain how this works, I want to share a story with you from Luke chapter 7. You can turn there if you like in your Bibles as well, or just, just listen and follow along. because so I think it's going to give us a picture of what we're talking about this morning. Jesus was invited to dinner to a gentleman named Simon's house. And Simon was, was a religious leader. He was a Pharisee. Simon was, was rich. Simon was influential. He was admired and respected among his peers and others. And so Simon invites Jesus to his home. And, and as Jesus arrives, Simon makes no effort to receive him with any gestures of hospitality. And so as Jesus comes in, Simon doesn't greet him. When Jesus comes in, Simon doesn't, as was custom, wash the feet of Jesus as his guest as he entered his home. He doesn't anoint him with oil. He doesn't do any of those things. Simon is not trying. And others would have noticed that as well. And so Jesus comes into the meal. He doesn't say anything. They all take their places at this table. It's a low table. They're reclining on pillows around the table. Jesus doesn't say anything about it until a woman crashes the party. A woman enters the home and comes in. This would have surprised people as they looked around and who invited her. Now, if you have your Bibles, in verse 37 of Luke chapter 7, a little description is given to this woman. She's described of as somebody who's local to that town and therefore known, and well as somebody who was a sinner. And that's a polite way of describing her as and saying she was a local prostitute. And so she comes in, this local prostitute comes into this dinner of this religious leader where Jesus is reclining and having a meal with them. Now, when she comes in, of course, the room gets immediately uncomfortable. She goes to Jesus and right away she she finds where he is. And look with me now at verse 38. Let's read the text together. It says, as she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. So she comes in, goes immediately to Jesus, and she's completely overcome emotionally. She begins to sob. And the tears that are coming down, dripping on his dirty feet, the same dirty feet that Simon never bothered to wash. And there they are dripping on his feet. And let's keep going in verse 30. It says, then, then she wiped them, his feet, with her hair, and she kissed them and poured perfume on them. Can I tell you, friends, this is a portrait, this woman is a portrait of someone who is poor in spirit. We don't know her backstory. Uh, we, We don't know what in her life brought her to the place where she came into that meal, in some ways embarrassed herself, did not care, and went straight to Jesus and went straight to his feet and began to emotionally sob over the feet of Christ. But whatever happened in her life, she recognized maybe for the first time that she was poor in spirit. And when she got to that place, and here's what's important, she recognized that she needed Jesus. And Jesus became valuable to her. And she responds in love. I mean, this picture of, of really a worshipful posture and approach to Jesus there. She, she begins to kiss his dirty, sweaty feet. She, she lets down her hair and uses her hair to clean his feet. Now this would have had audible gasps in the room because women at this time never let down their hair. In public places, their, their hair, a woman's hair was always kept up. In fact, the only person who could ever see a woman with her hair down was that woman's husband. And so that she lets her hair down and begins to use that to clean his feet was remarkable. And then we just saw that she pulled out or had around her neck most likely a flask of perfume. And for her, as a local prostitute, this was part of her daily business. The idea is one drop at a time for one man or customer at a time. And here she takes it and she opens it up and pours it out on his feet. This beautiful gesture of worship to Christ. And it's also a gesture that she's done and she's not going back to that lifestyle. She's tossed it aside and she's moving forward. This woman offered to Jesus all that she had Because Jesus had changed and was changing all that she was. Now, I want to read just briefly here what happens next. This woman comes in and does this beautiful scene, what happens at the dinner party. How do people respond? I'm going to look with me now, if you have your Bibles, at verse 39. Otherwise, just follow along. It says, when the Pharisee, now this is Simon, the host, who had invited Jesus, saw this. He said to himself, just to himself, not out loud, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who was touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. And Jesus answered him, because he knows what he's thinking, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. He said two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii. That's equivalent to about 20 months of wages. That's a big sum of money. So one owed 500 denarii, the other 50 denarii, that would be two months' wages. And neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now, which one of them will love him more? Well, Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You, are, you have judged correctly, Jesus said. And then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house and you did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss. But this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You do not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. And the other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. It's a remarkable story. It's a remarkable uh, account here. And here's what I love this woman, broken as she was, poor in spirit, comes to Jesus. But how does he respond to her? He loves her, doesn't he? He receives her with grace. He, he speaks tenderly to her. He doesn't rebuke her, the local prostitute. He receives her. He forgives her. He, he does all of this. The others around the table, they saw her as garbage. He didn't see her this way. Jesus did not see her in that way at all. So I want to ask you a question as we begin to close this morning. Here's my question. Which character, who in the story, that is, do you most want to be like? Simon or the prostitute? it's a little bit of a trick question and here's why because Simon is somebody that we want to be like him because he was respected and he was admired he was somebody that was it was looked up to and so often we want that don't we but we also want to be like the woman because she's the one that was received by Jesus she's the one that that received his love and received his grace she's the one that had all of that, that deep worshipful experience and so the truth is we want to be both. And because that, what that means is we want to be whole without having to be broken. But the truth is we're all broken. We all come to Jesus like that woman. We all come to him for the first time as sinners. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us, you watching at home, myself, we're poor in spirit. The difference is the woman recognized it. Simon didn't. He didn't recognize it. And I tell you this, the more I've just, just in my own life and being around and living life, I've come to really see and believe that typically the less you see your own brokenness, the more you put on fronts and masks and carry on, the, actually the more broken you are. That's what I've come to see. And so I think we've got two options here. As we think about how do I make him greater than me? And, and how do I come to a place where Jesus is valuable and real in my life? Not, not just a religious facade, not just a, I go to church, I check some boxes. He's, he's a part of my life, but not central in my life. How do I get past all that? Well, here's one option. One option is that we, we just continue to work hard to keep up all of our appearances that we stuff away this idea of being poor in spirit, that we, that we continue, as many if not all of us have learned, to be masters of illusion, to be experts at covering our pain, to be abusers of medication, slaves of financial debt, and followers of fads. The problem, though, is this person, Jesus is never going to have much value in their life. This person is not going to come to Christ in a real and authentic way. So here's a second option. The second option is this, that we recognize the truth and we embrace it, that we're all poor in spirit. That this is who we are and this is how we come to Jesus and this is also why we come to Jesus. And I recognize sometimes our shame and our guilt becomes the things that makes us feel like we're not worthy to come to God. We're not worthy to come to a church. That we're not worthy to to even entertain that because why would God love or care about a person like me? But the irony is and what we're learning from this beatitude is that's exactly why we need to come to him. Because we're poor in spirit, we're bankrupt and needy. We absolutely need him in our lives. And I just know as well as you do, in our culture, broken things don't have much value, do they? We throw away broken things. We don't need them anymore. But did you know that God's economy and God's kingdom is completely different? Because in God's kingdom, broken things are precious. Because broken things and broken, I'm really talking about broken people, are the people that he can show up in their lives and he can begin to work in a beautiful way. Maybe you've heard of this, or you can Google it on your own. If you have a bulletin, there's a picture of it, and you can see it. But there's a type of pottery out there called kintsugi, K-I-N-T-S-U-G-I, kintsugi pottery. And it's a fascinating thing. It's, it's a picture of, uh, of broken pottery that then is reassembled, but the way it's reassembled is gold is used to fill the cracks of the pottery. And, and, and it, what ends up happening is the, the pottery, after it's reassembled, is actually more beautiful than the original. And I think this is a beautiful picture of what it looks like and means to follow Jesus. That we come to him broken, but his love, his grace, and his forgiveness fill the cracks and bind us together, and we become something even more beautiful and precious than we were originally. And so this this morning, as you're watching, what can we do? Can I just challenge all of us, challenging myself, that we would drop the illusions To ourselves, to others, because let's face it, it's exhausting, isn't it? And then we would come to a place this morning, more and more, starting today, if we recognize that we need him. That as we go about daily life, that's a a prayer, And, and the prayer can be short. It's just simply, God, I need you. God, I need you. Lord, I need you. God, show up in this. God, help me through this. That's what it looks like to live a life in, in need and connection to Jesus, recognizing we're poor in spirit and we need him. And as we do this, Jesus will become very real in your life. And as we do this, he increasingly will become greater than me. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Thank you for joining us. I want to pray just for you, and then we're going to worship together as we close this morning. But hey, we're just, please know, we are praying for you, we are with you, and we love you deeply. Can we just pray together this morning? Father God, here we are in a parking lot in Adel, Iowa, just pointing people to you. And Father, this morning, as we recognize who you are, We recognize how you work in our lives that that us being poor in spirit doesn't mean we are not welcome to you, but actually becomes the entry point, the gateway for you to be real for us and to work in us and to redeem us and to restore us and ultimately transform us to help us to become more like you. Father, you are so worthy of our worship. You are so worthy to know and to follow. And so this morning, wherever we're at, at home, whatever state we're in, this morning we tell you thank you, that we love you, and we come to you as we are, just like the woman, poor in spirit, worshiping you. And that's what we're going to do right now as we close this morning. We're going to worship you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go ahead and worship together. God bless.
0: Sorry, we were a little too hot there. Um, yeah, we're gonna sing one more song today. It's actually a, a new song. Maybe you're familiar with it, maybe not. So hopefully you can kind of pick up on it with us. But we really enjoyed playing it this morning. So let's uh, let's sing "Stand in Your Love." Tries to roll over my bones. Sorrow comes to steal the joy I own. And brokenness and pain is all I know. I won't be shaken. No, I won't be shaken. My fear doesn't stand a chance. free Chance when I stand in. Amen. Thanks for joining us again this morning. Wonderful to uh, see you. Um, Have a wonderful week, and God bless.